Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's Talking Africa program. Talking Africa provides in-depth interviews with experts and other actors in the field of peace and security in Africa. Hello, I'm Desmond Davis. My guest today is Omar Saidu, Head of Demographic Statistics and Coordinator for Sustainable Development Goals at the Ghana Statistical Service. Uh, Omar, we are here in Kenya to talk about the effect uh, evidence-based uh, uh, research can, can inform government policies. I mean, what are you, what's your take on that? Thank you for having me, and uh, good afternoon to your listeners. I think, um, basically, uh, evidence is uh, one of the ways, uh, or somebody will put it, uh, the only way to inform policy. And you cannot control what you cannot measure. And so uh, evidence is a critical ingredient in policy formulation, monitoring, and evaluation. And so that is what I say. Yes, but... Uh what you're saying, and what I've been hearing in this conference, it seems as if African government over the years have been coming up with policies without having any concrete evidence to, to uh, form these policies. I mean, is that the case? Has that been the case? It depends on where you say it. I wouldn't say it is the case because uh, from where I work, uh, where I'm coming from, uh, we produce a lot of evidence and, and you can always see that evidence has been used of course, you will not expect the evidence is used at virtually at um, everything that government does. But in most cases, from where I sit, I see evidence being used. But as to how much of it is being used is another question. Yes, but then can you give me an example about this evidence you're talking about? I mean, everything is there for government, for people to see. Do you, do you need any more evidence for government to take action on certain things, like on employment? housing problems, you, you deal with demographics. You, you know, um, uh, the problems are enormous and government um, uh, does not have all the resources to do all the things. So strategically, there may be evidence on some of the things, but you may not have what it takes to do all the things at the same time. Um, if you're asking for evidence, for instance, in Ghana, uh, there was a time, um, the, the, the survey that we usually undertake every five years called the Living Standard Survey, identify the proportion of the population that lay below the poverty line. And that was a piece of evidence the government used to come up with um, some kind of uh, uh, social protection programs called LIP, the Livelihood uh, Project, where the give out money to some poor households to help them meet their minimum uh, uh, dietary requirements. So that is one of the evidence. It, many others in the area of health, in education, can be uh, subscribed to where you, you see the real use of evidence in undertaking uh, reforms in the education sector or in the health sector. Well, you see, I mean, uh, you mentioned the standard of living and uh, that sort of thing. It has always been a problem, not just in Ghana, in, in, in Africa. Uh, the, the GDP really does not reflect the uh, parallel economy, which I think is basically stronger than the formal economy, don't you think, in most African countries? Well, you know, GDP is a single number, right? A single number that you try to use as a proxy of measuring the growth or, 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 or the health of a country. 
definitely that is an average. And uh, as a statistician, I know that averages do not always give the entire story because uh, uh, you, you take a group of people uh, and want to reflect their age in one age. You say all these people are seven years old when they are some who are four years, others are 14 years. Naturally, that one single figure will not give the entire situation. But it is important because it's a pointer to what actually is happening. Yes, because what I'm driving at is the, is the role of remittances in Ghana, which really have been providing the sort of economic safety net which the government cannot provide. Of course, remittances are, are one of the ways where households survive. Uh, but of course, you cannot say that remittances are something, somehow um, doing better than what government is doing because it's not every household that has some kind of... Uh, uh, Someone abroad. Yes, yes, yes. exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's fine. So, I mean, but, but, but the government does, I mean, take this into consideration in, in terms of formulating the statistics. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Remittances is an important, and, and in recent time, there have been attempts to, to, to measure it, and even the, the sustainable development goals uh, subscribe to the importance of remittances. Yes, because why I bring this up, when I was, I met someone who was World Bank uh, manager in, in, in Ghana years ago, and he told me that when they did an alternative survey, the official GDP, which was just about 300 US dollars, where they included remittances, what was it was about four thousand dollars per capita. So I mean that really substantial. You know, there is one uh, uh, key uh, uh, part of the puzzle here. You know, the, the the economy of Ghana and many other African countries are informal, and it's very difficult when you are measuring the informal sector. And for that reason, you would not say for certainty, that you are capturing all the components that must go into the computation of GDP, for instance. Well, that's what I'm driving at. I mean, African economies are basically informal. How do you cope with that problem, Ghana Statistical Services? Well, I, I am not an economic statistician, and I wouldn't want to subscribe to uh, professing, uh, uh, uh how it is done. But then I, I know that uh, within the constraints, um, the Ghana Statistical Service is providing um, a robust um, uh, GDP regime uh, that is currently monitoring the, the health of the economy. Yes, but actually, if you're in charge of one of the most important statistical uh, section in Africa. I mean, Africa, people are moving to the cities. I mean, we're going to have overwhelming uh, uh, populations in cities all over Africa and then by 2050 with young people uh, constituting the majority of, of those living in cities. How is Ghana uh, planning to deal with this influx of young people to the cities? I think um, it is a major challenge to virtually all countries on the continent uh, because uh, the opportunities, uh, what is driving people uh, to where they're going to, because if I'm in my village and I know that uh, going to the city, uh, there's a possibility of getting a good job, then I'm most likely going to go there. And now these are reasons why governments need to uh, use evidence. And, and of course, um, if you fail to do that, you wake up one morning and to find that the whole country is in the city and, and you wouldn't know how to manage it. Well, exactly. 
for instance, in Ghana today, um, the, 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 the current government has uh, um, one flagship project. Uh, well, I don't, the implementation is another thing, but the idea of it is very important that at least for each district, they want to have a kind of a, a, exactly in there that can keep the youth in there instead of them always thinking of moving. Exactly. I think that, 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 that's a very good point because, I mean, if African governments can more or less disperse populations and create incentives in other parts of the country, we will not have that problem of uh, crowded cities in Africa, don't you think? Yeah, it is. It is very important. But of course, you should not always lose sight of the fact that you can always um, uh, get a, a section of them not moving. But there are some other people. It doesn't really matter what opportunities you bring to my, to my village. I will still want to move. You know, that group of people are always there. Well, yes, there will always be people who want yeah, to exactly. move. But how is Accra itself coping with this influx? Well, Accra uh, generally is, is coping in the sense that um, it's expanding each day. And so uh, the various arms of government and um, the private sector are taking advantage of it, um, for instance, uh, to do business. And the government sector is also... Uh, with the, with, the, with the mandate to provide services, always have to make sure you provide, you expand your service uh, to, co- to, to cover all these people who are coming. Yes, can you tell us a bit about this industrial hubs that the government want to create in each district? How, how, how will they work? Well, I, um, I do not have so much information on that because it's a policy of government that has started and uh, being a um, uh, 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 a statistician, it is important to speak to uh, it in, in the area of evidence. But then I know it is a policy that if we're able to implement it well, would really go a long way to help the issue of unemployment and, and the internal migration that you, you alluded to. Well, I mean, you also coordinate the uh, SDGs. Yeah. How is Ghana performing in terms of uh, meeting the 17 uh, SDGs? Well, I would say Ghana at this point um, is doing well, not necessarily in meeting them, but uh, the structure is being put in place uh, to implement and monitor the SDGs. Uh, One of the strategic things Ghana has done is to identify the fact that we do not want to implement the SDGs as a standalone uh, uh, policy framework, but uh, with it being aligned to African Union's Agenda 2063 and our own development framework, uh, so we implement a single policy framework. So we adopted a program of aligning and uh, adoption where the SDG uh, our targets uh, are relevant to our case and adoption where we think we need to adopt some particular uh, target of the SDGs to our uh, local situation. Yes, for me, I've been very skeptical. I've been very, very skeptical about the Millennium Development Goals, which were not achieved, and now the SDGs, which might not be achieved. See, but basically, all these goals are things that governments should do naturally. You don't need the United Nations or International Conference to tell you that you should ensure that children don't die before they get to the age of five, women don't die in childbirth. These are responsibilities of government. You don't need SDGs and what have you. Exactly. You know, but then if you look at the MDGs, there's a little difference between the MDGs and the SDGs. MDGs purely were focusing on developing countries. But then the SDGs are goals, targets that have been 
um, discussed and agreed on by all nations. So the the kind of engagement and the kind of uh, for instance, if you look at the, the alignment of the SDGs with the African Union's Agenda 2063, it's about 90% aligned, which means that African Union and the African countries went into the negotiations of the SDG knowing that this is what we want. These are our aspirations. And so they, they, they are not something different from what we want to achieve. You are listening to Talking Africa on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Uh, my guest is Omar Seydou, Head of Demographic Statistics and uh, Coordinator of the uh, SDGs, the Ghana Statistical Service. Yes, but uh, uh, as you were saying, even with the uh, Agenda 2063, African countries have had so many agendas, they've never achieved any of the goals, like the, the Africa Economic Commission. You as a statistician who see all of these things from different lengths, Will will the continent meet these goals in uh, the agenda in 2063? You know, these are very ambitious goals, very ambitious goals, but they are achieve- achievable. And there's nothing in them that are not what we have to do as uh, Africans. Um, and if you talk of achieving them, for instance, you know, for the first time um, with, with the uh, MDGs, uh, in the case of Ghana, uh, we, we realized we're doing well uh, because Ghana was one of the few countries that achieved MDG 1 ahead of the, 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 the timelines that were set. MDG 1. Yes, MD on, on end and reducing halving uh, 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 poverty yeah, no, from the levels of 1990 to uh, 2015. You know, that was the first time um, a kind of uh, 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 an international agenda to see all countries working together to achieve something. Of course, each individual country, uh, how they implement this. However, it is important to appreciate the fact that everybody wants to know that, well, I am doing well. I, this country, you have a benchmark. This country is doing well in this area, and I will want to catch up with them. Okay, so in that, con- that is healthy competition. In that sense, it is something that is good. And Ghana wants to become a middle-income country when, in 2020? Or... Well, we, we are already uh, a lower-middle-income country. Okay. Um, and it is the expectation that we should be able... You see, the most important thing is not just being a middle-income country. The important thing is being able to get your people out of poverty. Get exactly. disease out of your country. Exactly. You see, so these are the things. So if in doing all these things, it takes you to middle-income country... That's fine. Yes, because the Chinese are lifting people out of poverty all the time. But that's not happening in Africa. Yeah, of course. You know, the context is different. And, and you, you realize that uh, in many African countries, uh, we have not uh, in the past had stable governments, you know. And you, you can't say the same for China, for instance. So these are some of the issues that probably might have contributed to where we are today. But it is important to know that at this point, for instance, in West Africa, I think uh, currently all, all the states in West Africa have democratic governments. And that is an important step. Yes, and in fact, Ghana has done very, very well since 1996. You had successful elections without any problems. So, I mean, that should create some sort of stability now to exactly. move things forward. Exactly. Don't, don't you agree? Because security is one important factor in development. Because if you do not have security, you cannot develop. 
Yes, exactly. And, and uh, how is that in terms of the, uh, the demographics? Because when you have crowded cities, you have people who are unemployed, it then leads to further uh, violence and criminality. Yes, it, those potentials are always there. And that is why it is important to use evidence in doing the things you do. Because knowing that a lot of young people are coming out of school, they don't get a jobs, you need to create opportunities for them. And the creation of the opportunity is not by government. The government would have to make the environment conducive for the private sector to thrive and create jobs. Yes, but in Accra... And that is what is happening. Yes, okay, but in Accra and big cities in, in, in Ghana, you have all these gated communities where wealthy people live behind high walls protected from the, uh, the masses. How can you reconcile that sort of uh, situation? You know, that is something that exists everywhere in the world. There are always those uh, who are the upper class and then you have those who are the lower class. It exists everywhere. But of course, a, a, with a government having a deliberate policy and program to try to reduce uh, uh, um, that kind of um, inclusiveness, or, you know, that is very important to make sure that uh, society, uh, you don't create a situation where the, the, the wealthy continue to be wealthy and then the poor continue to be poor. When that happens, it has the potential of creating anarchy. Well, yes, does this government of President Nana Kufuadu has any plans to at least reduce the gap between the rich and the poor? Uh, that has been the plan of uh, even the previous government. You know, um, uh, uh, for instance, if, if at a time we were singing that Ghana had achieved MDG1, okay, um, the national average for the population below the poverty line was uh, 24%. But there were some parts of the country that it was way ahead, uh, above 50%, right? And so there, there was uh, uh, a conscious effort to implement programs that would bridge the gap between these parts of the country. And that is not only in the, the geographical location, even within some areas. For instance, in Accra, okay, you would get some people who are very poor in Accra, who are even poorer than other people in the, in the poorest part of the, the country. Mm -hmm. And so this, there should always be conscious effort to bridge this gap. But of course, you can never eliminate it entirely. Yes, we're here in Nairobi talking about the, uh, how best think tanks and research institutes can inform government policies. You have a very good uh, think tank in, in, in Ghana, Imani, which is well recognized. But at times it seems as if governments do not like some of the uh, policies that they come out with? Well, it, it, it's um, sometimes the case, and I wouldn't say they don't like the policies they come up with, uh, because think tanks are not expected to prof to come up with policies. Well, I mean, they are expected to come with evidence that, uh, yes. that can uh, uh, inform policy. Yes. Uh, but of course, um, every government uh, have a mandate, right? And so in some cases, uh, when... The evidence uh, professed by the think tanks are aligned with what uh, the government uh, uh, expects, then they are happy. But when the think tanks come up with some evidence that are contrary to what the government is uh, expecting or things is, is happening, then, well, th that's a different story altogether. Yeah, well, and these are things that will always happen. Well, well that's, that, that's a problem because the government has to listen to both sides of the argument to then have a better informed policy that will help the people. Yes, it, it is important. But what we don't need to lose sight of the fact is that, you know, think tanks and government have a common goal to make the lives of the people better. And so uh, it is important that the, the way they engage 
I mean, the government and the think tank, the way they engage is very critical in, in, in achieving this common goal. And that is why I see uh, this uh, program, for instance, being very useful because um, coming together to think together on how do we leverage the, the environment that we are in uh, to use evidence to inform policy and, and, and to monitor progress so that at the end of it all, the population will benefit that is important. Yes, I mean, the Ghana Statistical Service, I mean, who are the people who use your uh, services? I mean, do the opposition parties ask for uh, uh, figures and the government ask for figures? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, we, we're there to serve the population of Ghana. Okay. We are not there to serve a government of the day. And so um, the statistics we produce are for everybody, both uh, government in power and the opposition and other researchers use uh, uh, data coming from uh, the statistical institution because that is the mandate of the institution. Yes, but the recurring theme at this conference here is that uh, research institute think tanks and people like you are not really uh, conveying the, the reality to the people. I mean, you, you, you don't have the communication expertise to, to break down all of your jargon for, for the masses. How, how do you see that yourself at the GSA, I mean, Ghana Statistical Services? Well, I, I wouldn't say it is the case, but then sometimes that is the case uh, because there are times that you you are not trained to communicate uh, uh, your, your, your results the way um, a policymaker will understand you. Let me give you a typical example. Um, there was a recent um, story made by a, a media person in Ghana. Uh, he used statistics, right? Uh, he went to the second largest hospital in Ghana and identified from the, uh, that's the Konfarnochi Teaching Hospital. Okay. And he, he realized from their biostatistics department, okay, that these are the number of children who die each day. And these statistics have been there. It's already been communicated to... Uh, the policymakers at a hospital and government probably already knew that. But how he communicated that information to the general public made a great impact. Yeah, so what, what did he say or how did he Yes, he, he, he actually made a story and, and I am always very enthused about what he did because this is a non-statistician making use of statistics, communicating it in a way that people will understand and appreciate and relate to. And he was able to communicate this to the population to let them appreciate the fact that each day, four children die from Confanochi Teaching Hospital. In a year, a hundred mothers die, needless deaths, death that could have been avoided. And part of the problem is the fact that there was um, uh, a unit that was being built for, to cater for mothers and children, and that had been abandoned for 40 years. And the first lady came in and mobilized resources, helped mobilize resources, and within seven months, the facility has been built. Yeah, well, you see, that's what I'm talking about. You, you guys keep going on about evidence-based, evidence-based. But it's, it's, it's in front of the, the politicians. You don't need evidence research to say that people, children are dying. You don't need research to see that there's overcrowding in the city. So what is all this, really? Yes, so that is the part of it, communicating it. How you communicate it is very important. And that is what that young man did. And I think uh, it is a lesson to statisticians like me uh, to, to see how we can better communicate the statistics we produce to make the impact we want it to make. So how has this uh, conference been for you personally? Yes, it's been um, uh, a learning uh, uh, um, platform for me 
Uh, in particular, this is my first time of, uh, of attending this. And I think it is important for think tanks to come together and start talking about the things that they should be doing, the things that should impact the lives of the people, you know, because that is what they are there for. And you communicate this with your fellow statisticians in Ghana when get back. Of course. Okay. Uh, Omar Saidu, Head of Demographic Statistics and Sustainable Development Goals Coordinator of the Ghana Statistical Service. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Africa and ALC Pan-African Radio. For these and other programs, please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at African Leadership Center. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info at africanradio.com.